0: Welcome, Darius, to Trigger to Life. Uh, I'm really hey. excited for you, and um, I'm a little nervous today. And I don't usually get nervous for for having guests, so um, I guess <laughs> that speaks to who you are and all the amazing things that you are currently up to. So really oh excited! You. Oh,
1: I'm I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I'm nervous here. I saw your uh, some of the pre-call stuff. You know, just checking out. Just, you know, a lot of interviews are like super boring. And answer like the same questions over and over and over again, you're asking things about like, I don't know, I will get into it. But like, I'm like, okay, it's going to be a fun day. It's going to be a fun day.
0: Well, Darius, I want to know about you and like what makes all the things you do have so much impact because, you know, a lot of times people ask you about your company and that's great. I want to, I want to know about good projects as well, but I'm really curious more about like you personally, because you seem like a really, cool person. And I was, uh, doing some deep diving on your, on your social media and like your LinkedIn. I went like, I think I went pretty far back, which was kind of fun to see, like, you know, you in school and and whatnot. But, um, I wanted to start with, well, one, I want you to tell people a little bit about just like overall view of like who you are, in Washington, D.C. at the moment today? I can, and this can change, obviously, but who are you today?
1: Um, who am I today? Um, I'm a son. I'm a brother. Um, hope to be one day a father. I'm um, a husband. Um, just a young man that is just trying to use his life as an example of what's possible of young people that grow up in poverty. Mm. Like, you know, that is, I can't put it any simpler than that.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, I, As I was doing some deep, deep research on you, I came across that Donald Glover is your personal hero. And I have yeah. to know why. I mean, he's an awesome person and I want to know why.
1: Um, I, I have a lot of personal heroes. Um, I, I remember that interview um, and I, I stated Donald Glover, it was, he was killing it at the time. Um, but just how he's transcended so many different industries. like. You know, and even watching his journey, he started mm. off um, professionally, you know, doing stand up, and then um, started singing, and then he grew his hair out, took his shirt off in a music video, kind of went viral on that. And then you see, like, still going back to doing films, like. But he he he's a person that I look at, and it's like, I'm not going to let people define me and define my creativity. Mm. And I think I channel that a lot too. Like, I get a lot of attention. Um, uh, and the work that I do specifically involving like programming for kids and, you know, then recently we went on tour last year, but I, I don't want to be, I consider myself an artist or creative first and mm-hmm. foremost before anything else. And the avenues that I put my passions out into the world, you know, I'm not going to let people put me in boxes and be like, oh, this is what he is. That's what he is. Yeah. You know, The hardest question to ask is when, you know, I'm trying to, you know, meet a girl at the bar and she's like, yeah, so what do you do for a living? And I don't know what to tell her. You know, I really don't.
0: Yeah, I love that because I, I really resonate with that. It's it sounds like you like to have your hands in a lot of different pots, and that's I think that's what makes life exciting. And if you were just on that one track, I don't know it 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 doesn't appeal to me as much. So I I, I like that you feel the same way. Yeah,
1: no, nah, it, it's not. I wouldn't even say it's necessarily my hands in a lot of pots. It's just like I, I find myself with somebody and I know. Um, you and I have connected on this. I can even look at our cool background, Like, But I just follow the spirit. Mm. You know, there's it, even periods where, like, months at a time, where I'm not doing anything, like, mm. um, you know, because it's just like I just don't feel it. I'm not inspired in this moment. Like, mm. Every aspect of my life, I like, this and it came from, you know, some PhD, fifty-page document that I read, but. It's come from a personal place of just praying, meditating, fasting, being around friends, family, being out in nature, and inspired to say, "Hey, like this is how I feel like I should show up in the world at this moment."
0: Mm. Oh, I love that. That resonates a hundred percent. Yeah, I think that when it comes to like hustling and getting things done, people don't talk as much about the flip side, which is you know, being quiet, listening for what's next, you know, just being as opposed to the constantly go, 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 you know, doing aspect of life.
1: Yeah. Everybody's a little different, but you know, for me, it's like, in order to be producing, creating at my highest frequency, like I have to create space for myself Mm -hmm. and I understand there's prairies. Like I run, you know, uh, a, a large organization that's servicing hundreds at this point, thousands of individuals. Um, and there's p- times where like, I have to be like, sorry, like spirit, like I'll be back. <laughs> I need to focus <laughs> on this thing for a few weeks. Uh, but I, I never forget like where my source is. I um, mean, it doesn't come from being, you know, in the mix every second of every day. That's usually when I find myself getting worn out.
0: Yeah what makes you happiest
1: Uh, my family Mm
0: -hmm. that's an easy
1: question my family
0: yeah are you how many are you like how many siblings do you have
1: um (laughs) depends on who you ask um one brother one sister um got two uh cousins that i grew up with i consider them or three i'm sorry three cousins that i grew up with i consider them my sisters um And then got a bunch of brothers that I came up with uh, recognizing one of them. Uh, It's just, it's like, uh, I don't know. I got a lot of people that I would consider uh, my brothers and sisters. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, On your Instagram, um, you have some fun pictures of you and your friends and it looks like, it just looks like a really nice place to be. People seem very happy and like, I don't know. You you know, you can look at some people on Instagram. And you're like, they look like they're having fun. And then I looked at your group of friends and I'm like, I know they're having fun. Like, yeah. I get the expressions, like, on, on their face. I really, I had fun flipping through. Um, yeah. so I saw you posted about Drake, and I'm a big Drake fan.
1: Um, <laughs> Who isn't? <laughs> greatest artist of our generation.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, being someone who has dedicated their life to serving others, um, do you feel like at this point in your life, you know, you're you're missing out on building other aspects of your life, like a family?
1: One hundred percent, one hundred percent. That's why somebody like Drake resonates so much with me because even the way he articulated articulates it, um, and he's done it across his career. I think helps me. Like, to be truly successful, it's a decision. Mm. Um, I firmly believe that. Um, and I think where a lot of, um, not even say young people, a lot of people just in general find themselves tripping up or, you know, all stressed out or, you know, tra- starting a family, but then they never home and then their kids looking at them all crazy because they still like, because they never make that decision for themselves. Mm. Like, I'm. I, I made a decision when I, when I first started this work, like that, this is, this is me. This is what I do. Um, and until the time comes, the guy asked me to do something else. Like this is it. Yeah. Like I don't I don't have time to, you know, be in relationships. I don't have time to be thinking about, um, uh, you know, when I'm gonna have my kid or be going yeah. out on dates every night or partying every weekend. Like, no, like I'm a creator. Mm. I've been blessed with an opportunity to do extraordinary things. Who am I to second guess that at this point in my life?
0: Yeah. That's such a clear knowing.
1: I wasn't always in that place, though. I don't want to sit up there and act like, you know, I always knew that to be the case. Like, it definitely took time to get to a point where it's just like, I feel like a lot of the stress that I was putting on myself was trying to play on both sides of the field it's like God is calling me to be something greater. But at the same time, I'm trying to like, you don't, we don't have enough. Everybody got the same 24 hours in the day. Mm-hmm. And it's only with so much energy that we have in any given day. And we got to ask ourselves, where do we want to place that? Mm-hmm. You know, as I started, uh, it was really during COVID, to be honest with you, Cammy, like,
2: yeah,
1: I just really looked up. And I was just like, now you're here, bro. You're here. Yeah. I think a lot of people, they'll miss their moment because they, looking so much into the future of, you know, what could be or where they could go. Yeah. But during COVID, like, to be honest, I'm sitting here reflecting, you know, a lot of people around me going through stuff, a lot of people, you know, maybe losing their jobs and everything. And, you know, my territory was expanding. I'm beginning to do more. And then I just to recognize in that moment, like, damn, like, you were in your moment, bro. And own that. You're yeah. unapologetic about that. And don't waver. You know? Yeah. Just own that.
0: Yeah, that's so important to realize. Do you think that, you know, so the podcast being called Triggered to Life, we like to highlight those moments in people's lives that kind of shake them awake, like a, a moment of spiritual awakening or a dark night of the soul. Yeah. Do you have a moment specifically in mind that that was that for you? Was that COVID?
1: Yeah, no, it was even it's crazy how the trajectory of everything for me has happened sort of over the last, call it, two years. Um, I hit a moment of a complete crisis um, mm-hmm. right around uh, September 2019, um, where when I talk about just creating space, I created literally thousands of miles of space between me and my work.
2: Like
1: mm-hmm. left the left the continent, went to uh, Kenya, um, and was just vibing over there. Um, it took time to pray just being in isolation, um, came back, took the train around the country in the US, stopping in a different place every night, just seeing different parts of the country, drawing inspiration from people, spending time in South America, but just like literally just took two months to yeah. just be in isolation, just to think, to dream, to build. I was at a really dark place. Before that, I had gotten deep into alcohol, mm. like, had gotten really. I was. Uh, I was a sex addict,
2: mm. um,
1: but just looking for feeling and just everything, but my work and the intentions that God had for me. Um, and I came back from that trip not not healed, you know, because healing is a process.
2: Yeah.
1: But came back from that trip like understanding, like, oh, like you got purpose, like yeah. your life, like bump everything else, like. Like you're here for a reason, and what are you going to use that for? And just started building, trying to get myself back together, and then COVID hit, and I was like, "Damn!" <laughs> but it's crazy because you think about it, I had already had that time where yeah. I was in already getting used to what it meant to, you know, being my own thoughts, to be writing, to be thinking, to be creating. So, I just really looked up and was like, "Man, like this, is, this is to the point that I was making earlier. You know, like this is your moment, back." yeah like yeah, who knows how long that, this moment is going to last mm. and it's almost me taking advantage of the universe in a way to assume like i can kind of be half going through the motions almost to think like this moment will last forever to be mm. recognized by somebody even like yourself you know like i'm blessed yeah. i honestly say that i wake up every single morning two feet on the ground and the earth shakes a little bit devil runs into the closet because he's like damn he up <laughs> and i just had to ask myself and, and i'm not unique to have this power you know but i i was blessed to be able to recognize that in myself and I said damn like i want to do something special with this so when something like COVID hit i had already been trained and it's crazy how god work it's like it's like he, i went through that period where i had that downfall and what I, the fact that i even thought i need to just be in isolation
2: yeah. it was like
1: almost like a preparation for what was coming and god was like calling my spirit to just be prepared so it was like when COVID hit it was no big deal to me yeah. like those first few months when we were completely in isolation I already knew you know I had my books I had my process like and I was I was creating more pumping out stuff more like produced a 24-hour a um it was an amazing experience and the first like two months of COVID produced a 24-hour live television event with like Oprah and Tim Shriver and Farnsworth Bentley and everything like you know i was just channeling all this creativity yeah like in this moment of isolation that i never even knew that i had it was amazing
0: mm. wow so it is clear that you have this inner knowing that you were you know asked by spirit source god whatever you want to call it to up level you know in a in a lot of different ways yeah. how like, did you hear that before you went through that like that moment? You know, a lot of people hear that little voice. It's like, hey, hey, Bax, like you're, you know, you're you could uh get off this path of like alcohol and you can have, you know, so such a beautiful, incredible life, right? I mean, your life is probably great in a lot of senses before, but did you hear that call before? And like what did it look like once you decided to act on it? Because I know a lot of people hear it
1: but they don't do anything about it yeah and, and and that's the thing is like uh what happens to us that uh the poem paraphrasing a little bit but what happens to a dream deferred you know does it just disappear does it sit All right but what i think is to uh, one of the lines and i think it sits and it rots and when something rots and makes us sick so you know using my life as a testimony it's like that talent that energy those blessings that God was placing in my life, they just sitting they they don't disappear, they was just sitting waiting to be manifested and i was I wasn't doing what I needed to do with it, so yeah, it turns into something like alcoholism, yeah, it turns into something like you know mental health issues and abusing myself like and those around me, you know like it turns into those things because I wasn't manifesting the gifts that God had in store for me already um. But no, it's like, and that's with everybody, you know, look at, we all have people in our lives. You know, I have somebody, uh, a very close friend of mine, mm. very, very close friend of mine. i um, consider considering my brother. He's an alcoholic. Yeah. And the thing that, uh, that upsets me the most is I know that that disease is able to overtake him in the way that it is because, you know, the devil, if you give him, and again, call it whatever you want in your life, the university creator, whatever religious background you come from. Is that the devil is in, in my religious background as a Christian, I believe the devil is working just as hard as God is. Mm. So when the devil finds an opportunity to take down some of God's strongest soldiers, he going in wholeheartedly. You know what I mean? Wholeheartedly. The world will give you every tool that you need to destroy yourself straight up. Mm. So that's the challenge of being somebody that's divinely chosen to do special things in this life. Yeah. It's like you almost have this responsibility. And okay. if you give, if you give the devil the opportunity to creep in, then they will every single time. Mm. But you almost have to be operating at this higher frequency to say, like, damn, like I'm here to do something special. Not yeah. to say you can't make mistakes, not to say that you can't go off the path, you know. But for the most part, you got to be aligned with your vision or your life. You will start to get that what we call it, depression anxiety, anxiety, uh, you know, like all of those things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I always think of, um, you know, for me, like mental health issues have always been a, um, a call for realignment in some area of my life.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: How did you learn to ask for help? Did someone instill that from an early age?
1: Um, I still say I I don't do a great job as well, and I don't want to, I don't want to, um, I don't want to make it seem like, you know, like I got it all together and, you know, I know how to do it. Even how I responded in a situation where I was down and I wasn't. All right, let me get a therapist and line up or let me tell everybody around me. Mine was fight or flight. And I, I flew. I was like, I just got to I need to get away from. I don't know what it is that I need, but I need to get out of this, this bubble that I've created for myself. I just need a new environment. And then if I get to that new environment, then I can start to look out and be like, all right, where can I ask for help in my life? Mm. Um, but, you know, I'd say it's a work in progress,
2: Yeah. but
1: I challenge anybody, you know, just to take that first step, you know, is it, sometimes it might be, you have to blow up your life a little bit, like just to get a clear picture of, okay, where am I, where are the holes, where do I need to fill it in? Maybe it's having a good friend, like a Kami, like, to would be like, yo, like, Hey, I don't know what to do, but I'm struggling. Can you help me think through this process?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, COVID definitely for me was um, a time that I learned how to ask for help. Before that, Mm -hmm. I was, you know, very similar. And my default is still like, I got this, I can do this on my own. Like, but the practice for me is being like, hey, I need to talk this out. Hey, you know, can you help me? Which is very humbling.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, So I kind of want to shift into good projects and what you're, what you're working on, because it's a really incredible, um, incredible project that you are, um, that you've created with two of your friends. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you met them at Georgetown. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so I'm curious, cause you came to Georgetown on a football scholarship. Yeah, and I'm curious how football helped you become the leader you are to be able to, you know, decide that you're going to start a nonprofit, you know, while you're in school and take on the responsibility of, you know, diminishing poverty in Southwest DC. Yeah,
1: well, I think uh, I I heard something recently and I'm I'm never going to be able to forget it um, in the concert in regards to football. And I think it's so true. And if you play the game, you'll understand this. It's like football doesn't, uh, doesn't build character. Football reveals it. Mm. Like, you know, um, and I think that's just sport in general. Nah. Football as a game is the, the ultimate team sport. Mm. Yeah. Some games straight up. Right, like, like football. You could have the best world beater you can have out there, but if the other 10 guys and at least halfway moving in the same direction, you're gonna have a hard time, yeah. Um, so you know, you play that game long enough, you understand that, um, regardless of how good I am or how talented I am or how many gifts that God has blessed me with, like to run an organization, if I don't have people functioning and working at every level at a high capacity then you know it's what the ball is gonna be dropped somewhere yeah you know, something is obviously programming is super sexy that's what people see that's what's front facing but even down to accounting you know my audit not right
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah leading into that okay so it's not everyone just thinks of like an idea of like hey you know i see a problem in dc i have the power to fix this that is not like that is you know, it doesn't seem obvious to a lot of people, right? Like, I love that you and your friends were like, hey, there's an issue, let's fix it. Um, what was the moment where you're like, How, we're going to do something about this? Like, what did that look like for your you and your two friends?
1: I think it's just in general. Like, I, I love this podcast because we're able to talk much deeper than, you know, the X's and O's of what it means to, you know, be anything in life, take yeah. business out of it just to be successful. Like and I wouldn't be where I am today if not for my faith. Mm. You know, straight up. Like I operate with a sense of purpose in everything that I do that may be borderline. Like people are like, who the hell does this guy think he is? Like, <laughs> to be honest. And so your point is that there's this beautiful quote in the um the uh, the Holocaust Museum, I'm sorry. Mm. Um, and it talks about you know, to know that something is happening and to not do something about it makes you just as culpable as the person that's committing the act. And when I saw that, I saw that as a young person, when I saw that for the first time, I was like, well, damn, it's true. (laughs) You know, like, wow. Here I am aware of these these huge issues. Yeah. Ask me, what is the root cause of the problems that we see across the board In our world, whether it's environmental, whether it's uh, um, issues we see with uh, law enforcement, whether it's issues we see with education, at the root, for me, and people could disagree, I'd love to have a debate, we can come on your show and do it.
2: Yeah.
1: For me, at the root of all of that is poverty. Mm. So in my mind, to understand and to have that vision that poverty is at the root of all these issues that we're seeing, and to not spend my life trying to solve for that, then that makes me just as responsible as the powers that be that encourage these systems that don't just perpetuate racism and these other issues, racism, sexism, all these issues that we see, but, you know, these systems that perpetuate people to live in public housing projects for two, three, four generations. You know, as we stand right now, in the largest housing project in Washington, D.C. You know, it's my office.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, so I felt responsible. And if mm-hmm. feeling responsible, I had to do something to fix it.
0: Yeah. What is what does food insecurity look like, you know, in those housing projects?
1: Um shoot, depends on the household. Don't don't let me sit here and be the person that paints this big swath of what it means to live in public housing because then you have some families here, regardless of what they don't have economically, they've made a way for themselves. Mm. And one of the greatest things that I love about this community is because they haven't and this and this is kind of this is not specific to Washington, DC. This yeah. is not even specific to America. Oftentimes it's the communities that have the least that are actually the strongest because of that. They're like, all right, well, this is a little bit that we have, we have to make sure that we're sharing our resource. We have to make sure that we're taking care of one another. You, yeah. know, you get all these negative stigmas of, you know, public housing and poverty-rich areas where it's like, oh, it's gun violence. Oh, like parents don't care about their kids, X, Y, and Z, like, where if you're here on a day to day basis on a daily basis, you see that that's the farthest thing from it, yeah, uh, yeah
0: yeah, and do you think that has a lot to do with faith?
1: um well, how I view people living in public housing?
0: No, like people um, still making like still making a life with what they have, like mm-hmm. a deep rooted faith in you know knowing that. You can rise up even if it's doesn't look, you know, as good as you want it to in that moment.
1: I think it has that has to do with faith. And a part of that has more so to do with dignity. Mm. And that's what we try to impress upon our kids in our programs. That's what we try to press upon our families in our program and everything that we do. We try to maintain to elevate the dignity of those that, you know, call good projects home. Like Mm. even from the I was joking with, uh, uh, my intern is in the office with me now, I was joking, our meal today is a ham sandwich. Like that's pretty out of the ordinary for what we serve. We usually got like fish and, you know, there was, it was steaks one day, Like you know, even even something as small as like the school lunch that we serve our students. Yeah. Like whether people are talking about that or not, if I'm giving you something that's cold or molded every day, how does that start to affect how you view yourself? As yeah. opposed to, Oh, my school lunch is salmon fillets and white yeah. rice and steamed broccoli like, you know, like yeah. damn, like so now when I get 18, I know, oh, shoot, I'm looking up the prices of that. I'm saying like, damn, Mr. Darius was kind of going out of his way to make sure we was lit. So, now I need to make sure that like I get a good job so I can keep up my standard for what I expect for my life, you know, like you want I want I want a bunch of bougie black kids. Like I don't mind that. You know, like I don't mind the bougie Like I want them to see themselves at a higher standard. I don't mind if they want Gucci belts and all of this stuff. Like, cool, but they need to know you gotta work for that. It costs money. You know, like, but I, w we're building up people that have dignity, that have pride in themselves. You know what I mean? Like, don't we don't even our staff. Ain't nobody around here. Like, don't come in here with no dirty shoes or nothing. Like, walk in here with some pride about yourself. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, straight up. <laughs> like, who cares about i'm serious i'm serious when i say this Cammy. I mean, like feel me for a second like yeah like nobody knows how much money is in your pocket except for you like mm. carry yourself like a king and a queen like every day
0: mm. i'm smiling and laughing because like i am so motivated by you i would like <laughs> i would do whatever you told me to if I, especially if i was a little kid like they are so lucky to have you
1: can you come um, tell them that Yes. They damn sure don't do every, they damn sure don't do everything that I tell them to do, but no, like I appreciate that. That gives me a little bit of hope.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Um my favorite thing that you said is um how do we put ourselves out of business? Like how do we put good project out of business? And I was just thinking like, damn, that is the business model. And I so resonate with that because I want to do the same thing for people. I want to give you the tools and help you, you know, get healthy on your own so that you never have to come back and talk to me ever again right like right. putting yourself out of business should be the model for every business when you're looking to help people
1: 100 percent. right we talk a lot about again the root of all of these issues that we're seeing being poverty you hear this term a lot um the prison industrial complex the prison mm-hmm. industrial complex and we hit a period really between like 2016 and 2019 leading up to the BLM summer where, you know, uh, the justice system was was getting a lot of attention. They got a little bit off the hook right now, but we're coming back for them. But behind even the prison industrial complex, people ignore the poverty industrial complex. Mm -hmm. Poverty in America alone, globally, let's not even talk about that. We put a lot of attention on something like the prison industrial complex. But we Mm -hmm. completely ignore, again, the root cause of even what we see in our prison systems, which is the people populating the prison systems, which nine times, not even nine times out of ten, nine point nine times out of ten, are people that are coming from impoverished areas, and that crosses racial lines. Yeah. So when we look at even poverty in America, and even before we go, let's not even talk international. Let's just talk America. I don't know necessarily the demographic that watches this show, but you know, just bear with me for a yeah. second. Poverty alone, and it increased even during COVID. It's upwards of a $200, $250 billion industry annually. People are getting rich off the backs of poor people. Yet, at the same time, we look at our public school systems, we mm-hmm. look at public housing, we look at the efficiency of social services. You know, Jeffrey Canada said something that was so beautiful that go- goes over people's heads. He said, education in America is the only multibillion-dollar industry that is completely failing and nobody cares. Mm. and it's true like and i refused with the gifts and the talents that god gave me to become a part of a system that is just okay we're raking in hundreds of billions of dollars every single year with no real expectation for how we're going to increase the life expectancy increase the educational attainment increase the the opportunity and access to resources like, no. So yes, I very loudly and I proudly, and I say it on stages, I say it in small meetings and big ones. This aren't just talking point. I'm like, we are looking to put ourselves out of business by 2030. And if we haven't done that, then we haven't been successful. Mm. My goal isn't to blow up this big, you know, uh American Red Cross style organization so that I can sit at the top of it with my fancy suit and ties and being like, look at me, I can scale a business. Yeah. It's no, like, how are we putting the pillars in the community in place to be able to serve themselves, Mm. not the other way around.
0: Yeah. Hell yeah. This is like, absolutely. This is what you want to hear more leaders speaking about because it isn't about just being like a talking head on the top. It's about actually creating real change that is tangible.
1: Straight up. Straight yeah. up. We got enough. We got enough. Everybody in this generation want to be a commentator, want to mm. be sitting on the sidelines, telling everybody else how they should be doing this work. Like I take pride in the fact that my internet is a little shaky because I'm down here, you know, I'm in it. How could I be making any thoughtful decision about where this organization should be going and what should we be doing to serve youth and families? If I'm not seeing youth and families on a consistent basis, Yeah. And you have too many industry heads, particularly in this space. And you know, people might not love me for saying this, particularly in the space that I operate in, but you have too many industry heads that, you know, are sitting up in their ivory towers trying to make decisions about how they're going to make people's lives better. And not to say that there was never a point in their life where they weren't in the field, mm. but they look up and 5, 10, 15, 20 years has gone by and they're still calling on maybe those few years when they were young that they were out in the field. Yeah. You know? uh, but we just have to, as specifically as leaders, and people of influence and people that have power to be able to impact the lives of the least of our community, we have to constantly be drawn near to those that we're looking to serve. Mm. We have to constantly be drawn near. I had a beautiful conversation with Brian Stevenson, the, the, uh, the head of the Equal Justice Initiative. Yeah. And I sat across from him. We're in, uh, we're in Montgomery, and I'm sitting at his lawn table. And this is right before uh, Just Mercy, the movie, came out. Mm. and I asked Brian I'm like Brian like yo you lit now man you lit like I know you got at least a million dollars like come on bro like why you got your office down here in Montgomery like you could be up in New York you could be out of Cali like you know Michael could be joined bro and he said he said you know what I hear you he said but you gotta stay close to the problem mm. he said the reason I'm able to do it and do it effectively all these years later and still fight with the same vigor is because I've always remained close to the problem for him that's being in Montgomery like for me, that's being in Washington D.C., my hometown. Like being down here in the community themselves, knowing the community that's going to church with families, like going. You know what?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's such an important message and one that I didn't think about before we just before we were speaking. Um, one thing I have a question about. I like a lot of the work I do. Um, is looking at why people are sick. And part of that is environmental toxins. So we think about the food we eat, but we also don't, we forget about the fact that after the industrial revolution, we had a ton more toxins coming into our environment and evolutionarily, we haven't caught up with the ability to detox them as fast as we accumulate. So my thought has been, okay, so you have low-income housing, you have lead problems, uh, like lead paint problems. You also have mold issues, right? So mold is an environmental toxin that disrupts our nervous system, causes anxiety, causes depression, causes lack of motivation, and all of these health issues on top of that, right? And so communities with high in poverty often have, you know, high uh, incidence of disease, right? So what are you seeing being done in housing in general for issues that could be causing, you know, bigger problems than we realize, right? Like how do we expect someone to get out of poverty when they're being poisoned by, potentially by the environment that they're living in?
1: Certainly, and you don't mean that figuratively, you mean that literally. And I've, I'm glad that you bring this point up um, because it's something that we completely ignore. Yeah. Um, in this space. Just again, when we work with families in poverty again, how would you know you if you're sitting? I'm a social worker at XYZ social services agency and mama one walks through the door every day with her three badass kids. And I'm always wondering why, you know, they always off the chain and why, you know, all of them on ADD medicine. And I get to blame in the mom not yeah. recognizing that the home environment even though it may look completely clean, behind every wall, in every bathroom, there's black mold that's been growing for 20 years. Yeah. And coming through the ventilation, and this is what we actually see, You know, coming through the ventilation systems, you got rat feces and urine. Like, And this is, it's, it's completely unacceptable um, where we've allowed um, public housing to get to. Um, and I'm blessed to be able to work with, um, a housing authority here in DC that's at least recognized that, um, I'm not going to let them completely off the hook because I think we both recognize that there's work that still needs to be done, which is why you even look at our plan for, um, how we, uh, want to support families. So, uh, I don't know if you know completely the background what's happening down here in Southwest, but. All of the, uh, for a majority of the houses down here in the community, they're gonna be redeveloped over the next few years. And that was something that was completely revolutionary. Yeah. But that was a housing authority recognizing, again, complete misallocation of funds in the sense of why do we have a federal, we're getting into the technical now. I love it. Like, right? but why do we have, you know, a housing and urban development department at the federal level that has a budget of, however many hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Where is that money going at the end of the day? It's going to a lot of administration Mm -hmm. and not actually touching the people that need it. You know, we're spending, again, hundreds of millions of dollars a year. But most of the portfolio, not just here in D.C., but really across the country, is dilapidating. Yeah. And we're dishing out all of this money for people to tell us, hey, it's dilapidating. Hey, you got these issues year over year over year as opposed yep. to spending that money to actually trying to repair th- the issues.
0: Totally. And this is something I like, it just gets me like so fired up and, you know, which comes to my next point of how can we help good projects mm. and like, how can I, how can I work, work with you guys? Cause I am so, I think your mission is incredible and, um, I want to do more. So one, how can my audience help you? And two, how can I be of service and can us be of service for the good project?
1: Certainly. So, you know, I wouldn't be doing my job as an executive director if I didn't always say, you always have the ability to support good projects by going to goodprojects.org backslash donate. Click on the link. We have monthly subscription options. People donate as little as $5 a month, as much as $5,000 a month, um, or you can even go higher than that if you want, you know. So, always want to encourage people to donate because as much, as we love this work, um, it is, uh, we put a lot into the resource. We put a lot into the resources that we provide our residents and we charge absolutely nothing. Our programs across the border free and we're programming 12 months out of the year. This learning hub is an example. We open up at seven o'clock in the morning and don't usually leave here till six o'clock at night. Um, mm. so please donate and support us. Um, and once you check that box, you know, the challenge really goes out to everybody that listens. Yeah. You know, you look at, I'm looking to put good projects out of business. Um, but what gives me the courage to be able to say that loud and proud is to know that or to hope that people will look at my journey as an individual and the collective journey of all the people that, you know, I've put in the effort working here over the last few years um, and say, damn, like I can do that in my community. Mm. Like, I'm not saying you got to do it at the level of a good project, you know, blow up a huge staff and, you know, try to service the largest housing project in your hometown. Yeah. But, you know, you can be a good neighbor, you know, plant a garden, pass out some fresh fruit and vegetables. Like, you know, find a kid that you seen just out way too late at night and you wondering where their parent is and go meet their parent. And ask, how can I be a mentor um, to this child? You know, be a coach on a sports team. I don't know, like make make a sandwich and like take it down to your to your local homeless shelter. Like you just got to think, all of these Mm -hmm. we all have different abilities. We all have different talents to bring this full circle, right? God didn't give you the same talents as He gave me. I can't put together no podcast and design this beautiful backdrop that we're sitting in in the virtual world. Like I can't do that. I Have no talent, no want to even do that. Somebody did that though, right? So. I'm always the proponent. It's like, look, you ain't gotta try to go out of your way. Mm. I threw parties in college. That was that was my jam. I was the party thrower. Ask around, I was the guy. Everybody out there, huh, huh. we doing it, you know what I mean? But I didn't even realize those were just, I was learning community organizing skills and throwing yeah. those parties. And then I took that and translated into my professional life. Somebody may be a great public speaker. Somebody may be a designer. Somebody may be a race car driver. I don't know. But ask yourself and your God and your creator and your divinity that lives within you, how can I utilize these talents for the greatest good of humanity? Mm. Because, like this is what when you hear um this term, um, when people talk about such and such sold their soul, and we yeah. and they're like, I didn't sell my soul. Well, you did, because the second you started using the gifts and the talents that you were provided to just solely make money. Mm. or to commercialize the to sellout, you did start selling your soul because yeah. you weren't getting those things to make a profit off of it. If you, and I'll be the first one to say it, I'm an entrepreneur. I make good money. I'm happy. Nonprofit yeah. life, we doing good out here. You know, I do other things that I do, cool. But nothing that I've ever done in my life, or I say nothing, the things that I have haven't went so well. But for the things, what I step into my, my space every single day and do is ask God, how can I use these gifts that you have provided me to serve others? And if you just open up with that level of just like gratitude to recognize, like, damn, like I am a vessel, mm. like the path will open itself up for you.
0: Yes. Yes. I I love what you're saying. This is so inspiring. Um, so you are continuously creating, you know, organizing, doing good, serving, being a vessel. Mm. How do you fill yourself back up? Like what is your self-care ritual routine look like on a day-to-day basis? How do you have the energy to keep going?
1: Well, that's that's an interesting question. It is one that comes up a lot, can People are like, man, you're going. Exactly to your point. I hear it way too often. Um, but I, you know, I, I actually look at my mother, and I told you she 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 uh operates our programs here at projects and for everything I am, I got it from her. I'm only 60% of what she's been to this world. Uh, but I ask her the same thing. And she always puts it. She's 40 years into this space at this point. And she says, Darius, this is my self-care. What are you talking about? It's not self-care. You need to go on vacation So She's like, no, 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 no. When you're doing what you love, you know, it never feels like you're working. Mm. what wouldn't be self-care for me is if you took away my ability to create my mm. ability to serve um like this is this is my beach this is my my happy place like, this is oh this is my heaven
0: yeah mm. oh <laughs> I love that that's so beautiful so creatively um you know, besides good projects, what do you have next on the horizon?
1: Um, It's continuing to build. Uh, Last summer we did uh, the Purpose Tour, traveled to 15 different cities over the course of 18 days, um, really just highlighting all the different movements that were stirring up around the country. Um, And this summer we're preparing um, to soft release um, the film so that, kind of encapsulates all of those different experiences that we had, um, good projects continuing to grow, continuing to be on the rise. Um, the redevelopment is gonna start happening down here in the next 18 months. So physically, we're gonna start building some things. Um, I don't know, I might grow a ponytail. You never know, like, it's, uh, I don't know, like man makes plans and God laughs. I'm a firm believer of that. Uh, I tell people I got I got the best seat in the house to this life that God has given me. I just kind of sit back and look at it through uh, the blue tent and just try to figure out, like, damn, like, this is where we at.
0: Mm. Wow. That's so fun. Um, yeah, I wonder what you'd look like with a ponytail. That could be, like, a a fun new hat to try on. Why not?
1: I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Can it fit on, if it can fit under my hat, I don't know. We'll see.
0: Yeah, well, you know, you've got your, you know, you've got a nice style going on. You definitely have you've got your look. And <laughs> if, you're, if you're listening, Darius is in a really cool blue sweatshirt with Jesus with wings on him. Right.
1: No, this is uh. So my like best friend Neil McDonald, his brother was unfortunately killed mm. um, by gun violence. You know, at this point, about two years ago. Wow. Um, and instead of, um, I always talk to people about turning that pain into purpose. Like we only got one life to live. Bad shit is going to happen. It's not about the bad shit that happens to you. It's about how you react to it. Not to be cliche. Um, Neil is a perfect example of that. After his brother was uh, killed. Man, you can look this up. You know, you learn more about the situation. His brother was killed by his best friend that, um, had a a manic depressive episode he whatever was going on in his mind um he picked up a gun and started shooting and unfortunately shot um neil's brother Mm. um at the funeral for his brother neil uh stood up and he said this is something talk about just the courage of somebody he said you know in this moment i don't grieve necessarily for my brother i grieve for that young man and what he's going to have to deal with now, knowing that he killed his best friend. Um, And he took that and not even three, four months later, started a nonprofit to support young people um, that were going through mental health issues called Stay Solid Mental Health. So took an incident that could have actually turned him bitter um, and now has dedicated his life to serving actually the person that, um, created that pain in his life. Um, so I, I wear this today. Uh, I wear this today in honor of, of Neil and his brother.
0: Mm. And yeah, it's, was, it's, all it's his brother's face. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. What a beautiful story.
2: Yeah,
0: man. Um, yeah, I've been thinking a lot lately about how when you go through a tremendous pain, you're cracked open. And the work to uh and the work that's that it's asking of you is to continue to lead with your heart cracked open.
1: Well, the old adage goes, you know, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others look at any to to kind of bring it full circle you know you talk about why would i say donald glover as somebody that i look up to i said that i consider myself more an artist than anything you know the greatest artists aren't the people that had a perfect life greatest artists are people that had a story to tell Mm. something special in his life you're not asking you know have some things to talk about
0: Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Like this way to bring it full circle. Um, I love it when guests, when guests do that. Um, Wow. Well, it was a pleasure having you on. You have really supplied us with so many beautiful nuggets of inspiration. Um, I feel, I feel full talking to you. I feel like, I feel fired up but I am,
1: you don't, you don't want, you don't want the turkey sandwich.
0: <laughs> come on down. Come see the spot for yourself. I Casey's going to follow
1: up with you after this and okay. we're going to schedule a time for you to come down here. Straight
0: okay, up. be Great. I also want to know like how Candice can, you know, like I saw you have a lot of health and wellness initiatives um, in mm-hmm. your, in your plan. And I'd love to figure out a way to, you know, be of service.
1: Certainly. Don't don't tempt me with a good time. I'll no. put you to work. Don't worry.
0: Absolutely. I love kids and I love helping people. So it feels like a good combination.
1: It does. It does. And then we can uh then we can party after. Perfect. Like, like we're back uh at, at summit.
0: Yeah, I love um I love that you're you know you you gained your organization skills by throwing parties because everyone knows that guy in college and he was you know the best at like, always knew the places to go. <laughs> always know what was happening. <laughs> I know who you are. I see you.
2: <laughs> okay, 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 okay.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, this is really fun.
1: For sure. now I had a great time. It's definitely my my favorite interview by far.
0: Oh, thank you so. Thanks, thanks for saying that. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I like to. I like to make it more fun. I like to have things that I want to. I want to meet the real parts of people and not that, you know, you don't see that in other interviews, but I think that I don't know, it's nice to go a little deeper sometimes.